Good, good, good. Good to see everybody this morning. I want to welcome everybody here. I want to welcome everybody streaming the service online or podcasting later. Hey, can we thank Linda again for her testimony? Man. Uh, God is showing up in a powerful way. I have to say, I think that both the testimonies this morning, we also had a baptism at nine o'clock, and I think both of them are speaking to some things right now that are going on in our culture and some things that have crept into the church, and I just am so grateful for their willingness to share openly and honestly from their heart, and so, man, praise God for that, right? Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, listen, before we get started, I want to remind everybody this Tuesday night right here, seven o'clock, Tuesday night, seven o'clock right here, we're going to have a partnership gathering. This is our first partnership gathering since the pandemic. And uh, for those of you who don't know, partnership gatherings are uh, campus specific informational meetings that uh, allow us a chance to talk about some things that are going on in the life of our church that we don't have time to address Uh, on the stage when we're worshiping on the weekend. So uh, these are important uh, events. If you feel comfortable to to join us and come on out, remind everybody that we'll be wearing masks, but social distancing is not really easy for us here. And you guys gave up on it a long time ago, I can tell. So it doesn't matter. But at any rate, so just want to remind you about that Tuesday night, seven o'clock. I always use that space also just for a Q&A. So uh, come on out, and uh, we'll, we'll get some work done. Hey, take your app out. We're going to continue on. We're in a series. Uh, right now, we're calling the series Mistaken Identity, and really what we're addressing in the series is simply this topic, who is God really? Say it with me. Who is God really? And this is kind of what we're embracing. This is sort of uh, what we're looking at right now uh, in this series. We are using as a foundational verse... Uh, uh, that we try to uh, use uh, uh, one verse, a verse or two of scripture that sort of uh, encapsulates all that we kind of want to say in the series. And we're using that verse, uh, Hebrews chapter one, verse three, a little verse tucked in the back of the New Testament. The author unknown to human history wrote, and this is a really good verse. We're going to put it on the screen. We're going to read it out loud like we mean it, okay? So don't just read it. We're going to read it like we mean it. You with me? Come on, wake up. Ready? All right, here we go. Read it. Ready? Go. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. So what the author of this verse is trying to have us understand is that when we see Jesus... We see God. When we see Jesus, we see God. And the author is trying to help us understand. You could leave it up there, guys, if you will. The author is trying to have us understand this idea is that uh, God has used a lot of different things in history uh, that point toward him. But then in this verse, it says, in the, these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. And so this is a really uh, important verse. It's a foundational verse because really what we're talking about in this series, we want to do really two things. And you can write this down if you want to. We want to explore and expose uh, some other versions of God, if you will, that have uh, crept into culture, that have sometimes even crept into the church. I think people probably listening to me online, some of us right now in this room have been victimized by these sorts of understandings. And, uh, you know, if you've ever been a, a part of a mistaken identity, you know, sometimes it's kind of awkward. 
You ever, you ever uh, said hi to somebody and realized it wasn't them? This is sort of like can really happen right now because of the masks, right? It's just sort of awkward. I remember years ago, I was thinking about this, that when our girls were little, this was kind of what we would do on Friday night. I don't know how it became our routine, our rhythm, but this is what we would do. We would go over to the mall and we would eat in the food court. And then we would, I, rem- I can remember this because we had two girls. I would give them like 10 bucks and they could go into Claire's and buy whatever they wanted, right? I mean, they thought they had owned the world, right? Here's 10 bucks, knock it out, you know, kind of thing. And we would, we would in there, and then, and when they were really small, we would, we would go over and you could play, there's like a, how many of y'all know there's like a, a, like a playground thing in there, right? It's like germ central in there. Let me just tell you, COVID did not start in Wuhan. It's, it started in the Wellington Green Mall. I'm convinced of it. And so I remember one night we were over there with the girls and, and, you know, we had done the whole routine. We had done the whole thing. The girls are like in there with all these kids and they're playing. And Beth said, go in there and get them. It's time to go home. And so I went in there and I got, I grabbed Haley. And then I saw, I saw Shelly off to my right. I grabbed Haley. I thought, Shelly, normally this is what Shelly would do when she was little. She would just grab onto my leg, you know, and I would walk, walk her out. And so I grabbed Haley and I turned around and I felt Shelly grab my leg and I got all the way out the, the thing and I looked down and that was not Shelly on my leg. <laughs> and there was this weird, awkward moment where I looked down, this little boy looked up to me. He was like, this is not the leg I thought it was. We had this awkward day. Here comes the dad thinking I'm a creeper. It was all this weird stuff. And, and when that happens, like in, in human dynamics, that's a, it, it's awkward. But when it happens in our relationship with God, it can be devastating. And I, I want you all to know, honestly, I've sat down at a table when people are telling me their version of who they think God is. And I fight the temptation to say simply, who told you that? I mean, who told you that that understanding is God? And I've seen people demoralized and devastated uh, in their faith. It kind of happens this way. You know, uh, they move into adulthood. They run into adult problems. This is the kind of thing that happens. So what we're doing in this series right now, we want to go right at some of these topics we're going to go right at them in a really courageous way, and I want to explore uh, them, and I want to expose the reality, and then explore sort of what's behind that. If you were with us last week, I thought Pastor Trevor did a great job. Uh, he taught on what we called bodyguard God. This is the idea that we, the God we already worshipped already this morning, that this God's main purpose is to keep you from all harm. One pastor, one author I know says it this way, that many of us have grown up with this being instilled into us that a good God never lets bad things happen to good people. A good God never lets bad things happen to good people. And then this becomes our primary understanding about God. We move into adulthood, we look around, and here's what we start to notice, that actually very bad things do in fact happen to very good people. Have you noticed that? And it erodes our faith, it erases our belief in God, suddenly we find we don't believe anymore. And I want to say this carefully, but I want to say it with deep conviction. What if not believing in a God like that is actually a good thing? Because here's what we're trying to say about each of these gods. Bodyguard God, he doesn't exist. And so if he doesn't exist, there must be another version of God. We talked about that, uh, if you will, uh, last week. 
Now, I want to say a side note here. Every now and again, I'll say, I want to say some extra things that are not in the message. Is that okay? I'm doing it anyway. But I want to say some extra things that are not in the message, kind of some pet peeves I have. Uh, when we think about bodyguard God, this is sort of the pet peeve that I have, the challenge here a little bit, is that sometimes for me, I'm just going to say it in a less polished, less politically correct way, I want the church to pray less for safety and more for courage. I want to say that again. I want the church to pray less for safety and more for courage. Um, this is really kind of pet peeve I have. And uh, I was thinking about this. I read, I read this verse in, at 9 o'clock. I got emotional about it. But I read this verse this past week. This is Paul. And this is what Paul says. You can write this down. Look at it later. This is, this is extra stuff. This is bonus material. So I'm not even preaching the message yet. Isn't that cool and exciting? This isn't the message. This is extra. You get extra. I could tell you're overwhelmed with the extra. So here it is. So uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 22. Paul says this. And now, listen to this. He goes, compelled by the Spirit. I love that. Compelled by the Spirit. I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. You hear that? I only know, Paul writes, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. And however I consider my life worth nothing to me, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of his grace. I mean, do you hear that? I, I, what about a church that prays that prayer? Lord, I'm just in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the battle. I'm, I'm in it. And I, I, I think, um, you know, because I don't know. I mean, I just feel like there's a lot of stuff going on in our culture right now that I, I think the church could have an answer to that. Am I the only one who thinks that in this room? No, I think, I think four of us, awesome. Okay, I'll take what I can get, okay? I mean, I think there's some stuff going on. And I, I want sometimes, I want the church, man, we pray for safety all the time. Can we stop praying for safety and pray for courage? Get out in the mission and do some things? I was thinking about this. Now, I know, don't send me hate mail, send it to Trevor. I know that um, uh, this past week I went and got my shot, the demon shot, Okay? All right, I went and got the shot, and uh, I went over there, and, and, and uh, this is my decision. I thought, I don't want to get in the way of ministry, and I went and got the shot. My politics didn't change. I didn't suddenly start thinking weird things about Russia. It was like, that's extra. <laughs> so everybody relax. Just relax. Relax. So I go, I go get my shot, and I go in there. It's so tense. And I walk in there, and everybody's like, man, everybody's sizing one another up. And you know, as a pastor, I feel like I, it's my job to bring the tension down wherever I go. It's like my job. So I thought, you know, how do you bring the tension down? I mean, everybody's kind of sizing each other up and, and they, they open the door and the lady goes, Mr. Smith. And he goes in, weird room comes out. And they're going through the list. All these people are backed up. Finally, she gets to me and I thought, I know what I'm going to do. So when she, when she welcomes me into the room and she shuts the door, I waited 30 seconds and I screamed at the top of my lungs. <laughs> And when I opened the door and came out, it was way less tense. Nobody was there. Everybody left. Parts of that are true. Not all of that's true. But I, I just want to say this. This is still extra. It's time to serve the mission of the kingdom. It, it's just time to get reemployed. And if you've had your shot, come on back. 
Uh, I'm looking for a moment. I'm going to say masks are optional. I'm looking for that moment. It's coming. Moment, moment's coming. Moment's coming. But we got to we got to get involved in the mission. I want to I want to share something. This is is it okay? I'm still giving extra. So um, I've been praying this prayer over me a lot during this past year. Uh, and I'll try to get through this and not get emotional. Second, this is Paul's parting words to Timothy. I've accepted them as my own. And I think sometimes when we read the scripture, we ought to accept it as our own. And here's what Paul says to Timothy. He says, now finally, Timothy. He says, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Okay, here's what he says. Preach the word. Preach the word. Not your best life now. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage. Do it with great patience. Do it with careful instruction. Listen to this. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they're going to gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and they'll turn aside to myths. But you, Timothy, you, Dale, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist discharge the duties of your ministry. So I'll just give you a little secret about me. I've been reading that every week kind of over me. Because can I be honest with you, this past year sucked. Yes, I said it. We can edit it out later. Okay. We got to get in the mission. We have to get in the mission. And part of getting in the mission, I think, is to to know better this God that wants us in the mission. And so last week we talked about uh, body armor God, uh, and this week I want to talk about, or bodyguard God, this week I want to talk about genie in a bottle God. I had Trevor, Trevor brought this over this morning. I don't know if this is one of his own personal things or what, but, but he brought that because we were talking this week and we said that every now and again when I hear this um, genie in a bottle God that we're going to talk about, I think that we should probably take the cross off the altar and we should put a, a genie bottle on top of it. And sometimes when I hear that, this is kind of what's going on. Um, how many of you all have seen the movie Aladdin? Right? Um, let me just show you. Here's uh, Will Smith. Did he crush this movie? He crushed this movie. And, and uh, we needed somebody as talented as Will Smith when, when he did his version because he had to step in the shoes of Robin Williams who crushed that version of that. And um, this is sometimes, I think, becomes a version of what we think about God. And uh, here's what I was thinking, what we're trying to do in in this series. In each one of these messages, here's what I want to do. I want to offer a problematic idea. I want to offer a disclaimer. And then I want to speak to a truth or challenge. So this is important. So I want to offer a problematic idea. Say that with me, problematic idea. Then I want to offer a disclaimer, disclaimer. And then I want to offer a truth or challenge. Here's the problematic idea with looking at God only like this way. Here it is. The problematic idea is this. God is there to do for me what I want when I want it. 
There it is. God is there for me to do what I want when I want it. We think of it this way. God is there to answer the selfless uh, requests, reasonable selfless requests that I would answer were I God. Okay? Sometimes they're, they're not, you know, like, it's like, Lord, I don't want you to change the world. I just, I need a date on Friday night. Okay? I mean, they're just reasonable requests. I mean, sometimes we're not even praying for ourselves. My son, my daughter needs a date. You know? And just sort of like that way, the young people start laughing, right? Okay? Here, here's the idea with that. The, the problem comes in when we ask for something and we hear nothing. How many of you has that ever happened? Come on. Or this, you ask for a sign and you don't see one. Or this, you ask for a miracle and it didn't happen. Anybody? Can I get a witness? Uh, years ago, uh, there was a young man who just sort of burst onto the Christian scene that I, we just all would go, God's hand was on, this guy, uh, was on this guy in a profound way. I want to show you his picture. His name is Nabil Qureshi. And Nabil, um, just a phenomenal man of God, comes out of the Islamic faith and was having great, great, great influence uh, in that community of those uh, precious people, na- helping many of them navigate uh, and a deeper understanding as to who Jesus Christ really is. And, and I mean, God was really u- using him in a powerful way. Uh, in 2014, when all this was happening, Beth and I uh, took a trip. We went over to England. We were going to study the early Wesleyan movement uh, that had been really formational and profound in our own lives. We wanted to go and study the roots of that. So Beth and I uh, went uh, with some others as a part of this experience. And I took Beth down to this little church on this side street in London that George Whitfield, the great evangelist, had preached in this church. And you went there, there was a marker there, you know, it was just like this, we were just sort of immersed in all this history. You all know I love history anyway. And so I, I, we were looking at that, we took a picture in there, and then we walked into this church, and Nabil Qureshi was standing right there in the church. I mean, we go to London, in fact, I have a picture I can show you. Here, here's a picture I think I sent over. There we are. My wife looks a little more excited than I actually want her to be in that. I think she's a little closer to him than I want her to kind of move a little the other way. And that's what happened. She's out of town. I can say what I want. And so uh, anyhow, and so God, I mean, honestly, using this guy in this profound way, and then he gets diagnosed with stomach cancer. And I'm telling you, like the, all the Christian community, we just all went, now God, now, now Jesus, I mean, this doesn't make any sense. And so we started praying, obviously for his healing, and because God was using him in such a profound way, we all, man, we felt it. We thought this is, this is going to be a real powerful story. It made total sense in all of our minds. And we prayed, and God answered. And he said, no. And Nabil passed. And, and, and some of us are here this morning, and, and we have those experiences. We, we have those experiences. Or let me say this. You know someone 
who has had that experience. And it's, it's a devastating thing. And it's a devastating thing when that becomes sort of a foundational way that you look at God. God is there to do what I want when I want him to do it. We've all prayed for a loved one. We've prayed for somebody with a behavior. We've prayed for someone in an addiction. We've prayed for somebody with a terrible illness. And it didn't happen. And we're forced right there into into a kind of intellectual quandary. So do the promises that God makes, are they, are they true? Or, or, is the, or is he a liar? Now, I'm not making this up because I want you to know, I sit at tables and that's a question. It's a fair question even. And, and sometimes this is really something that is strong in the room. And, and I want to say this. So here's, that's the problematic idea. Let me give you the disclaimer. Here's the disclaimer. We're not saying, we're not saying, by the way, we're not saying God doesn't want to hear our requests. We're not saying that God doesn't, in, a, in the grand mystery of things, answer our requests. We're not saying that. I mean, in fact, didn't Jesus say this in his very first public sermon, by the way? Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who, uh, knock, uh, one who seeks finds and the one who knocks a door will be open. Paul later on in Philippians 4. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all human understanding will guard your hearts and your minds uh, in Christ Jesus. So I want you to hear the problematic idea. I, wanna, I want you to hear the disclaimer, but I want to go at the truth or challenge and I want to press it in on that. Is that okay a little bit? And the verse I was thinking about is a super powerful verse, not one that we often hear from a lot. And Paul is writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want you to hear this. Now, he's talking about struggles, and he's, and he's boasting about them, which is kind of weird. I want you to just hear, hear this out. I want to read to you 10 verses. Paul says, we're, in, we're entering into the middle of the discussion. Here's what Paul says. Now, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know, Paul says, I know a man in Christ, who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether it was in the body or apart from the body, I don't know. God knows. Was caught up to paradise and he heard inexpressible things, things which no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, uh, I, but I will boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would uh, be speaking the truth. But I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, listen to this. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. And three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
And therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties even. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, let me just set this up and, and go right at this truth. For me, I noticed this, first of all, because I'm a pastor, that Paul is... Uh, speaking here in his most difficult church. The Corinthian church is the reason Paul had gray hair. I know he had gray hair. It's why he had gray hair. And uh, I know in, in, in my line of work, it's sort of in preacher circles, they'll often, we often say this, everybody should pastor one challenging church because it'll, it'll keep you humble. And, and I, I was thinking about this because in my, I've, I've only pastored three churches uh, and I've been at this church three times longer than the other two churches combined. Okay? Some of you are like going, that's a little too long probably. But here's the interesting thing. In the first church, I was an associate pastor. I wasn't the leader, so that doesn't sort of count. The second church was actually a wonderful church filled with precious people. And so when I think about, uh, when I think about uh, difficult churches, I think about seasons in this church. So sometimes Beth and I'll be talking about stuff and we'll go, that was four churches ago, you know? And, and here's that, so here's, let me move out now to a larger point. Here's the thing. Paul is trying to reveal to them and help them understand who Jesus actually is. Not, not false versions of him, who he actually is. And he's trying to help them get it. They're not getting it. He's trying to help them get it. So listen to this. He tries everything. He cajoles them. He admonishes them. He encourages them. He teaches them. He prays for them. And when nothing else works, he gets personal with them. And he does a very unique thing that is different from what he's ever done before. Rather than qualify his perspective through his expertise or background, what we may say is credentials, he qualifies himself through his weakness. What? Like you can qualify yourself through your weakness? I mean, have you ever been in a situation and, and, and somebody starts saying something, they start saying a truth, they start speaking from a perspective and you're, you're trying to figure out if you trust them and then they tell you their experience with what they're saying and everything just shifts on a dime and you recognize in that moment this isn't hyperbole right here. Like this person has lived it. Paul was writing one time and he talked about the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. You ever been around people who suffer? There's a fellowship with that. You got a loved one with an addiction. You 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 you, you struggled with infertility. You, you you deal with poverty and food shortages. I mean, there's a fellowship there. And Paul starts talking about his weakness. And 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 here's what's interesting. I I don't want you to miss this. I don't want to drive by this too quickly. What I notice here, it's kind of interesting is that um, Paul says, therefore, to keep me from becoming conceited, Paul knows his predisposition. Here's a question. Do you know yours? Do you know, like, hey, when I get into this scenario, I have a tendency to whatever. You fill in the blank. Paul knew his. And notice what he says. It was given to me a thorn. He doesn't even say where the thorn comes from. 
He just says there is a thorn. And then he says this, and then I pleaded with the Lord. I pleaded with God three times. Can you get rid of this? And God answered, and God said, no, no. And then, and then here's the thing. What, what, what's, what's the rest of the answer? Then, then Paul said, he said, no, Paul, my grace, my grace is sufficient for you. What, Lord? My grace is sufficient for you. Now, here's the thing. Pause. When we get to heaven, we can ask Paul. Like Paul, did, did, did Jesus say that audibly? Did you hear it? Hey, Paul! Uh, was it a text? Did you get an email? Uh, how, how did you learn that? Can I tell you what I think? He learned it over time. He just, learned, he just stayed with it. And he learned over time that God is enough. See, when we have a genie in the bottle, God, this is what I want you to understand. When you have a genie in the bottle, God, um, your relationship with God is only transactional. You ever been in a transactional relationship, by the way? They stink. You ever been in a relationship with someone? I think I'm only here for this purpose. That's awful. It's a one-dimensional, monochromatic way to have a relationship. We're meant for so much more. I remember when Beth and I, uh, you know, some of our story, right? You know, when Beth and I uh, met at seminary, both we felt like had a calling on our lives to do something for God. And Beth leaves Northwest Texas as a farmer's daughter. I meet her in, from a, South Florida, and we meet in Kentucky and fall in love and all of that. And I told her right at the beginning of the relationship, I said, I feel called. I can't even really explain it. I feel called to return to Florida. So our whole relationship is based on that truth. I just feel and, and Beth, at some point along the way, said, I, I feel called to be with you, and Florida it is. We'll, we'll go to Florida. Now, that's a big sacrifice. I'd flown out to ask her dad, can I marry her? He said, he said yes, cautiously. And then he said, bring her home. I'll never forget. He said, bring, bring her home. And so, so we met, fell in love. Uh, you know, I proposed. She said yes. Another miracle there. And then we're... <laughs> We're having, we're having our premarital counseling, and I'll never forget this. A pastor that I deeply respect married us. And I'm sitting in there one day, and we're just talking about all the, all the plans and everything. And, and he just looked at me, and he said, Dale, it's so cool the way you see how God is moving in your life and all of that and all you're willing to go do. And he said, I'm just kind of curious in terms of the marriage. He said, what are you giving up? Because she's giving up a lot. And I remember right there thinking, we need someone else to do our wedding. <laughs> and, and can I just, can I tell you the, I want to tell you the awkwardness of this situation. As the Lord is my witness, I had no answer. I'm just telling you, emperor had no clothes on. I had no answer. And, and, I, and I remember, I can tell you what I did. I took this, I took that, her dad's challenge, bring my daughter back, young man. And we started, I started to make good on that promise every year. I thought this is what I, what I could do. And, and I will tell you, this one I want you to know. It was an acquiescence of some measure. I have all my friends and they're showing me pictures of their vacations. And I, I'd send them pictures of corn. <laughs> mm. And can I just tell you, on, can I tell you on this side of history, 
I want, I want to tell you on this side of history, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, my, my, <laughs> my relationship with my wife just, just grew. Uh, my relationship with my girls grew. And we still talk about those moments. It was a concession, I thought. But I learned his grace is sufficient over time. When, when all we have is a genie in the bottle, it's transactional, it's uh, convenient, right? It's convenient, it's controlling. You ever think about this? It's the genie, watch this, it's the genie that calls the person the master. What? And there's so much more. Jesus, uh, I'll say it quick, he invites us into relationship. He invites us into a partnership. I mean, he literally, he literally is depending on you and me to carry his mission forward. I, I, I don't know if, you, if you've ever been in a position you had someone work for you and you hand off a portion of what they're doing. That's a thing, right? And Jesus is going, here, here. Lord, isn't there a better way to do it? There probably is, but here. So let me end with this. All week long, I've been praying about this talk. And I said, Lord, I want to be courageous and say what I need to say. And and, and I felt like the Lord the other day, I was driving around in my truck, and I felt like the Lord just dropped a word on me. And the word he dropped on me, I want to show you. I want to show you. It's, it's Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 3. Put it up there, guys. Look at Paul says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more all than we can ask or imagine. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, You tell your people that some of us are just so transactional, we're asking all these things, and God wants to actually give you more. More. He, want, he wants to give you himself. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your friend. Jesus says, now I call you friend. Imagine. Um, genie in a bottle God doesn't exist. Let's let him go. But a God that'll meet you and show you where his grace is sufficient. And in the mystery and the grand scheme of things, answer prayers, give more, all of that is who he is. Let's get to know him. Amen? Would you stand with me? Lord, would you use these next just few moments as a way really to refresh in our mind and in our heart what it is to really know you, that we can know you. You have made the relationship possible and we want to know you. And we pray together in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Lord, I just have that image right now that at the resurrection, Lord, when you tore the veil in half, And God, you just were saying we could get in. We could get in. We could know you fully. 
We can experience your grace. And God, I just want to say it over this precious congregation. We will not be disappointed when we know exactly who you are. We will not be turned off. We will not be disappointed. And so, God, I just thank you for that. I thank you for that truth. And so, Lord, would you do more in us? Would you wake us up to what you're wanting to do in the world? Would the church rise? Would our faith rise? And God, would you deal tenderly with all of us in this space, online or here, who are praying and pleading important prayers? Give us faith to trust you in the meantime. For we pray in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. Go in his grace and his love. We'll see you next weekend. Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless.